Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Misbehaviorists, episode two, um, with me, Ben O'Loughlin, and my esteemed co-host and former thesis supervisor, Dr. John Hyland. How are you, John? What's the story? I'm not too bad, Ben. Hi, everybody. I don't think I'll ever get sick of being called esteemed, <laughs> so you're more than welcome to keep using you've, that every time. You've been called a lot worse, I'd say. Oh, I have. I have been called a lot worse, I, Something that I can't really um maybe comment on now, but yeah, I certainly can. I certainly have been. Do your, do your students ever give you? Give you a bad yeah, time? there um there has been a a few occasions, one in particular where I have been called something. I did. I didn't actually do anything. anything me, wrong. It wasn't, it wasn't I me. Was it? it wasn't me. Like it wasn't. No, it wasn't <laughs> you, Ben. Um, but yeah, no, I, it it has happened, but um, very few and far between students are usually great awesome awesome so for anyone yeah. listening um john why don't you give a brief synopsis of what the misbehaviorists is all about so ben and myself uh, decided to start this podcast as, as a way of providing a kind of a an, an informal and relaxed uh platform just to talk about issues related to society and how behavioral scientists or behavioral sci behaviorally scientific approaches um can be used to intervene to improve people's quality of life to improve people's decision making mm. um and to kind of maybe help them to understand uh, the 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 impact of their choices and the impact of the environment in 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 the choices that we made or that we make mm. so that's that's kind of where and and to do it in a very accessible way that that was kind of um where we were coming from i don't know about yourself ben if there's yeah, anything you'd add absolutely yeah to make it more accessible and to try and um like a lot of psychology and everyone has people who haven't studied psychology i'm sure they know a lot more than they think they know just from experience they recognize patterns of stuff happening but they just don't know what it is so if you if people could understand that a little bit more or understand a little bit more about themselves even if it comes to personality or something like that they may be able to make better decisions yeah I, I, that that's very true like i mean i've i've spoken to a number of students in the past whether it's you know people working as special needs assistance or people mm -hmm. working say as teachers or in business or whatever and they would kind of comment that Oh, I kind of use something like that, but I never knew I never knew the kind of technical terms mm -hmm. and and the, the the evidence behind these approaches. But we we kind of use something in 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 our workplace kind of like that, and sure. I think it really opens their eyes that they're 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 doing they're they're using approaches that are effective, but they may not necessarily know what's behind them. You yeah, know, I've, and I, I think that kind of thing is is, is often is terminology as well because I, I find yeah. even when I'm talking to you about behavioral science that you'll you'll be using words like discriminative stimulus or stimulus and I oh what's that I'll be like oh what's that again and it, it, that's like oh that's the trigger or that's the, yeah what yeah happens beforehand that the, 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 the thing that makes the other thing happen yeah if you know if you know what but I mean. it, yeah like I, I've, I, I know I've chatted to you about this before but if you look at the I suppose the 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 business side of things you have um you have something similar in statistics where you look at a number of um 
businesses and they talk about this thing like a b testing mm. and mm. we i would i uh, my, uh, like i would look at that and say what, what what's a b testing yeah and then i i kind of i read into it it's like oh that's there's that's your scientific method like you know that's your yeah. you know in many cases i suppose you're kind of your 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 randomized um your randomized kind of control trials really and just under under a different name and i'm sure that there's people that are very familiar with a b test and that may not necessarily know what it will be called in the in the academic world or the research world so what i like about behavioral science in general is that it gives people like ourselves and, and and other people that are interested in in what affects human behavior um it, it gives us an opportunity to come together and, and talk openly about different approaches and, and learn sure. from each other about maybe how in the in the applied world we use these types of terms. But when you actually look at the when you look at the, the architecture of what we're doing, it's it's very similar to what you would call this. Yeah, sure. It might be good to go through. The, the... So it's, it's, you know, that kind of that sharing of ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, it might be good to go through the, the scientific method as such, like from like like what 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 what's your starting process if if you are doing something what's your starting process like you do your your literature review first you want to read a, read up as much about the topic and the previous research that has been done and then you read all that and then you develop a hypothesis based on yeah based on on that information what and what from what uh, impact you can have by doing a certain a certain intervention or something like that that's it like i mean the i suppose all all the uh, many researchers i'd say the vast majority of them will kind of talk about how you know the i suppose the big thing is the idea you know get mm. you get your ideas from everywhere like i mean yeah. i would get my idea walking down the street and noticing something and then that 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 brings me about uh, you know that brings me to kind of oh that'd be interesting if we could test that out to see the the mm. effect that it has on people and you know, natural events like say COVID nineteen or recessions or whatever will 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 bring about people to think about things in certain ways because they've they've been they've been exposed to to a, a situation that requires answering or requires some sort sure. of understanding. And you're, um, do, but you're, yeah, what, sorry, John, to cut across. You're doing research at the moment, aren't you? On COVID yes, and the the impact. You well, go on. I can't remember exactly what it is, but go on. Yeah, what what we're interested in do there's about there's, there's five of us in the team and what we're interested in in looking at is how students and lecturers in in third level institutions in Ireland have have coped with the transition from say traditional whether that's kind of primarily or exclusively kind of face to face classroom based classes or whether it's kind of blended so blended would be you know you'd have some kind of maybe online mm. uh, modules or kind of you'd have tutorials that are online or it will be a blend of traditional face-to-face lectures with um, lectures with, with, with online um, with online components. Uh, and what we're interested in doing is like COVID-19 brought about the situation whereby we needed to suddenly, all of a sudden when it was announced that, you know, first, second and third level institutions were closing, we had to adapt very quickly mm to the transition to exclusively online. And that is going to affect staff and students in various ways. Like do, 
do staff feel that they have the resources available to be able to do this? Do they have the training? Do they have the supports in place? But also with, with students, um, do they feel that they have the space to be able to learn online? You know, are they trying to balance this with children or are they trying to do this with um, poor Wi-Fi and trying Mm -hmm. to understand kind of the the needs and and, and the the concerns and the challenges around that? So we decided to to look at that. Um, Within Ireland, we kind of kept it to Ireland just because uh, tried to keep, you know, we had then a kind of a, a fixed approach as to how things were done. I know in different countries it would have been done differently. Sure. So that's what we were interested in. And yeah, we were also interested in learning a bit about, um, you know, like so, some um, subjects, I suppose, that are very, that are very important to have, maybe some of the more kind of humanistic subjects that would be very important to have that face-to-face uh, connection, whether it's in terms of, you know, psychotherapy or something like mm-hmm. that. It, that there may be more challenges in moving that to online compared to something that might be a lot more theoretical. Um, so sure. also, that, that was kind of it. Yeah, also you could see there could be differences between your your part-time and full-time cohorts because the, the part-time cohorts in the evening would tend to be middle-aged, older people. Not older people, not old people, but like you know what I mean, like not old people like our, ourselves. Old, old I people suppose. like old people like you, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but they'd oh, be le- but they'd be less. I'd uh, say less tech savvy. And then if you're having yeah. Wi-Fi problems, and if you're having problems with the tech, that's going to increase your stress and anxiety. Which means if if that's if your stress and anxiety is increased, you're not going to be able to concentrate on the yeah. content of the lecture. Yeah, and there's also there's also challenges as in many institutions I know will have to have also gone to a and kind of a, an online or or kind of remote maybe exam process, mm. and what are the challenges around that as well? So right. there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of things to explore there, and we're really just um it's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we could kind of maybe delve deeper, but there's always that trade off between you don't want your participants to be filling in hours and hours of, <laughs> of 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 material for a questionnaire but at the same time you're trying to get as a comprehensive an understanding of 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 how Quest- people were questionnaire fatigue oh yeah exactly yeah. and Did that can affect that? the reliability yeah it, it affect the reliability of the the uh, survey or questionnaire itself don't it well that's it like i mean there there has been i suppose there has been research i'm aware of research that um i think it was done in in harvard about the the amount of uh the amount of of questionnaires that are filled out inaccurately or, or you know not not filled out um uh with integrity maybe if you want yeah. to call it but after, yeah after, you, after question after question 20 it's all like yeah, very one, 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 one. Yeah, not likely, so not the, likely, not likely. <laughs> that's the thing. So you're trying to, you're you're trying to. I suppose it comes back to behavioral science. You're trying to maybe incentivize, or you're trying to uh, influence people to fill it out as 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 accurately as possible. Mm. And there's some good. Um, there's some good little kind of. Uh, I I suppose little kind of. Um, things that you could have as part of of questionnaires especially online questionnaires where it kind of 
uh, influences people to be more likely to to get to the end of the questionnaire. There's some lovely little kind of uh, lovely little kind of nudges. Sure, um, I've, I've done that you know. before myself in uh, yeah. questionnaires for clients. So often, as I'm sure many people do, like I'm in a kind of copywriter copywriting. So I want to find out as much as I can about the client or the or the client's client, if you know them, or my client's client. And if you've got 20 questions, and if you go after the eighth, af after the seventh question, and after the fourteenth, fourteenth question. Oh, you're doing great. You're yeah, ne you're nearly there. It really works yeah. wonders. Like you really see an yeah. increase in the. And of course, you of can add questionnaires. You can add those uh, those kind of bars at the end of your questionnaire. You have completed sixty percent of the questionnaire, or eighty yeah. percent. So, when when we're talking to our students about the choice around having it as kind of all questions on one big page versus mm. having it Steps. split up kind of Steps. page by page. You don't have that. You don't have that kind of prompt. You know, you are this amount through the questionnaire, yeah, yeah. Um, when you do it entirely on one page. So, you know, that might affect the 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 likelihood that people will complete. Yeah. So these are the same challenges that like all online people looking at. Look, it's it's completing a form. Like the amount of people that complete yeah. a form online, and the amount of companies that have like, they're just kicking them, shooting themselves in the foot because they've made the form twenty questions long. When all you really need is the email and their name and, and a few other details, probably depending on the business or whatever. Yeah, it's mad. That's yeah. So when you when you say about the um the kind of the 20 questions, are you talking about kind of before people take part or or just the, the well, amount of information that you need from them? I suppose it depends on the specific situation, but a, a particular uh scenario where I might do it is that if I'm writing if I'm writing copy for somebody's website and I want to find out as much about their customers motivations and their what drives value for them and what what their anxieties are what's holding them back from of course from making from, a particular decision from making a particular decision taking a certain action whether it's leaving their email or whether it's buying a product or whether it's uh, leaving an inquiry or whatever the desired action is yeah it's hard without a it's always hard to explain it without a a a, a, a an example a, a client i'm working with at the moment is a uh, a project i'm working on at the moment is like dog toys so i'm researching dog oh wow toys and different like of a, of a specific breed so we can find all the information about specific specific breed and the problems they have. So then we can re, re, we relay those problems to the dog owners and then we frame really cool. fr frame the pro frame the products as solutions <coughs> to the problems they're having. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, it does. I mean, geez, what I wouldn't give to work on a dog-related project. Yeah, they're fun, are it? Oh yeah. <laughs> I suppose you don't get the you, you don't get the um the positive consequence of being able to play with the dog. That's the only that's true, yeah, being yeah. able to you know play with the toy with the dog. That that's yeah. that's unfortunate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um I I suppose with the the way that you, some of the the um the online questionnaire kind of templates that are there do kind of have a number of, of features or characteristics that kind of help you to, <clears throat> to help you to kind of get 
higher levels of completion or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's also a there's also a kind of a a duty on on you to well, when I say a duty, I suppose there's a there's a it, it comes back to you to know what to kind of say, like to empower the person that, you know, by by getting, you know, by getting accurate um responses it'll really help us to understand the the specifics of what we're investigating and Mm -hmm. the people that fill out these questionnaires if they have a genuine interest in what they're filling out then by empowering them to to feel like they're they're valued their response is valued which it is i mean in research anyway we we rely on on participants a lot more than participants rely on us you know i mean we they they mean everything to us you know when we're looking for for responses and we do value every single response that we get and it it moves us to having a better um i suppose a better representativeness yeah. it, it a, a greater level of power in a power in our research um and it sometimes to kind of spell that out to the participants just how much they they mean to us is uh is important too and it and it kind of it, it helps them to realize well you know something my responses really matter here but it must be a it's, 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 I, I remember myself from trying to gather and this was only for the bachelor thesis trying to gather participants is a difficult job and other people i didn't do i did a experiment but other people were just doing oh no i did surveys as well actually i did an online survey as well you kind you had a two-phase kind of part of your for some reason, John, I always make my experiments far too complicated and far. Oh, I'll do, and I'll add <coughs> this bit on, and I'll do this, and then it is like, uh, yeah, I did too. For my bachelor's, it was about wine. It was about wine tasting. Well, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't about wine tasting. It was about. It was about whether the order of, and the, the pricing order, would affect which bottle of wine people chose the price of it or something something along those lines that that was the what i was actually uh measuring and i didn't i didn't have any significant results in the as far as i remember in the in the live wine tasting when people were doing it but i did get some in the online one i think because it, mm. was, it was much clearer i think it was it was like it was something along the lines of which all the wines were essentially the same with different descriptions and the most expensive one was at the top in w- in one treatment and yeah. it went down from like tw- uh, like 25 20 15 10 and the other one would be the other way around so yeah. it would be go it would be 10 15 and then i my hypothesis was that people would order more expensive wine if they were shown the one where the highest price was at the top and mm. it was, I don't think, it was significant. Yeah. Um, which is great for any restaurant owners out there. Here's a free tip. Put your most expensive bottle of wine at the very top and you will make more money on your wine list. That's, that's. Well, I mean, if you take nothing else away from today, yeah. you know, there is a very important tip. Because that's the, uh, no matter what, people will go, oh, wow, they're like, Oh, because it, it kind of gives you an idea of what the restaurant's like as well. It's like, oh, that's a hundred euro bottle of wine. The first one you see, it's like the thirty-seven euro bottle of wine doesn't seem that expensive anymore. If if you've compared it to a hundred euro bottle of wine, 
I'm always fascinated by anchoring. Mm. Really, really fascinated by it's it not, that you could have. It's not only numbers as well. Like it's like it's 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 the it's the first piece of information you hear, and I catch myself doing it all the time, all the time. Yeah. But it's only after the fact that I realize. I was like, hang on a second, and it's if you you pay, if you give too much importance or you pay too much. Uh, attention to the first piece of information you hear about any given topic. I wonder. I wonder. Does that relate, Ben, to the to the concept of the the halo effect that you see in um, in interviews? Sure, it c- could well do. I know I'm not sure, but yeah, it could. Yeah, be. it would be interesting maybe to kind of think of think of it in that way. You know that you're sitting on a on an interview panel and someone comes in and they give a I don't know. They they give an incredibly good impression of the of themselves, or they give an incredibly good first answer to a question. And you know, I, I, do we tend then to yeah, over sure. over sure. mark them, or you know, based on that first piece of information, like what you were saying? So, like I, I would imagine, if let's say, for example, let's take this scenario. So, a student writes an essay, or does a, a task, or whatever it is for you, a project. And it's 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 a two thousand word essay, and the first four hundred words are brilliant, and it trails yeah. off. You might you might still go, oh yeah, no, do you know it was pretty good because the start was great. That's it. Yeah, that's something that you have to be aware of. You know, like, like I mean, you tend yeah, you sorry. tend to find you know you tend to find that um, like when you start to read the start of a of, of an essay um. It, it tends to kind of be quite consistent. You know, the, the writing tends to be quite consistent, but you do have to be mindful um, when you're looking through pieces of coursework or whatever um, to try and rate the kind of to, to, to grade them thoroughly. So you're, you're, you're thinking about sections in their own right as well as part of the bigger picture. Sure, sure. Um, so that if the sections become maybe a bit less coherent or a little bit more um, descriptive as opposed to evaluative or whatever it is, you, you need to kind of pay it, be quite mindful of that as, as you read through. But it is something that's important to be aware of. Yeah. Like essentially, we're really, uh, we're really, really bad at defining the value of something. We can't, we just don't know how to do it. It's too complex or how, how much is it worth or how good is it? Yeah. So we need, we need a reference point. The decision, that's what the decision making, it's all about a reference point. So we need yeah. something to compare it to. Yeah. To be able to base our decision on. And generally, the, exactly. an, the anchoring thing is we base it on the first bit of information we hear, but we, what's the word? Is we don't readjust our, estimate we under yeah. we under we underestimate how much to adjust away from the anchor yeah well that's the thing like i mean if i if i know you know you know the basics about say dub or say cork and i'm originally from wexford and i'm kind of looking at well what's the size of wexford mm. cork is bigger than wexford maybe i don't know three times as big as wexford which it's not you know the population wise it's it's more than that but I'm kind of using Wexford as a reference point because that's what I know. Sure. Are you familiar with the Mahatma Gandhi question about around this? No, no, no. What? No, so I'm not. This is this is this is this shows this shows how crazy it is and how uh, how impactful. So there's a, I know I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact question. I'm doing it off the top of my head. 
So it's something like, so this is two treatments, two groups, two conditions. So 100 people were asked, do you think Mahatma Gandhi was older or younger than 45 when he died? This question one. And made people go, uh, older. What age do you think he, he was when he died? And they go, oh. And the average people guessed was, oh, he was 60 or whatever, 55. And then yeah. they go to condition two. Do you think Mahatma Gandhi was older or younger than 140 when he died? <laughs> and everyone goes, oh, he was younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was younger. Don't be asking me stupid questions. What age do you think he was? Oh, 87. So e even the, the totally irrelevant number that you know, the 140, of course he was younger than that, impacts, yeah. has an impact on people's decision. It's because that, the much higher anchor. Yeah, it's the simple. Think of it like this as well. Think of it if you're working in customer service for Ryanair. <laughs> How are you, Michael? <laughs> and uh, your flight is cancelled and you're at the desk and the customer service person says, ah, oh, look, we can't get you another flight until two days' time. And you go insane, and then they go, oh, actually, we can get you on one in a day's time. You're happy then. Because the first, the first thing they told you was, no, there's nothing for two days. But if they had said to you immediately first, oh, yeah, no problem, we'll get you on the next flight. And then, oh, actually, we can't. It's going to be another day. You're really annoyed. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same outcome. But depending on the first bit of information you were told about it, will completely yeah. change your perception around that situation. Yeah, it, that's something that is used a lot in sales, isn't it? Oh, all uh, the in, in all negotiations, yeah. the person that goes first, that the, 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 the first, the the, per, the first person to mention a figure as long as it's a reasonable, as long as it's not an extreme. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, bizarre figure uh, will usually, that's where the anchor, where, where, from where it will be anchored from, if that makes sense. Yeah, it so does, yeah. In, so, it's so super interesting. And you can see it over and over and over. And I see it in my own life over and over and over. Yeah. I'll, I'll, encounter something and i can't think of an uh, a specific instance off the top of my head uh, but i'll encounter something and go oh yeah i must think about that and then go hang on a second i'm i'm putting way too much importance on the first thing that i heard about it yeah it reminds me a lot of uh, elizabeth loftus's work you know the 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 importance the importance of um the importance of language so a, a well-known kind of um, Loftus or Loftus and Palmer maybe um, scenario was to ask people, you know, they would say, watch a video of a car uh, or, or something, you know, a car is, um, I won't use the term yet because you'll see why, but the car is driving along anyway and there's an incident. So they're asked then, um, how fast do you think the car was traveling when it bumped into the other car versus how fast do you think the car was traveling when it smashed into the other mm -hmm. car? And we have a very different understanding of bumped and smashed. So as you would possibly, as you would probably expect, people uh, estimated the, the travel speed notably higher, 
I'm not yeah. assume, uh, specifically higher in the case of uh, the smashed example compared to the bumped example. Sure. So, you know, the importance of language there. And I actually um, supervised a student this year that looked at it in relation to phobias and the type of words that we use, you know, um, just hold, um, hold on a second. Now you're going to notice um, you're going to notice the needle. Um, say if you use the word like the needle kind of poke mm -hmm. into your skin, that's quite a that has quite a high arousal, you know, sure. that the word poke or 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 stab or or something like that. Whereas if you say a pain, a pain, if it's gonna yeah. cause some pain because it's the it's the the anticipation of it is worse than the pain itself. But go on, yeah, yeah. That's it. And it's um you notice that uh you know the 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 arousal levels then have an effect on the kind of the 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 or the 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 role of language in the high in the levels of arousal. I won't necessarily say high, but so if you were to say something like you're just going to feel a maybe a a little brush on your skin, or you're going to feel a little kind of sensation or something mm -hmm. like that, certain words are going to be maybe less have kind of less um. Sure. I, I don't know what the word impact. is kind of lesser arousal less impact Persuasion. so you notice then the arousal le yeah. levels are I, I think i think it's it's very it's criminally um copywriting is criminally underappreciated like how how impactful it really is like yeah I, I, yeah it's like and I, i'm gonna probably get in a lot of trouble with a lot of designer friends that i have but like when it when it comes to websites uh -oh. And stuff like the design like your website is there it's 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 a functional it's a functional thing like it's not there to look pretty and so yeah. many people go down that route and they go well, they've, this is pretty cool website and stuff flicking all over the place and you're like and you can't read it <coughs> yeah like it's driving but insane if, but what's interesting is that like i mean you would you would expect that at least some people would see the importance of this when you have you know user experience uh, you know, individuals, people working in the area of UX. Yeah, of course. And it's all about kind of trying to move, say, traffic or move clicks or look at the, the architecture of a web page and see how you can drive interest to certain places. Mm -hmm. um, sorry to UX people if I've really undersold what you do, but my, under, uh, my point is that you would expect people to take it a lot more seriously well, they do, when there's people dedicated to this. Uh, you know, they, and there are. I know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm underselling a lot of people there. There are, absolutely are. But there's so many people that do it do a bad job yeah. of it too but so many of the the principles that you would talk about in the behavioral science principles are are all used in these in this product development and stuff there's a great book yeah. well actually I, i'm quite cynical as you know john so i find, <laughs> yeah. I, I find this quite funny in in a in a cynical kind of way so there's a book there's a great book called hooked and it's, okay it's uh it's it's what does it do it goes through, it shows you how all the main tech companies and tech products are built from a behavioral science point of view. So oh, it wow. goes through, it uses, are you familiar with, oh, I can't remember his name, BJ Fogg? So he was a I behavioral scientist so. in Stanford University. Okay. And all of, a lot of his, now I think I'm right in saying this, a lot of his students, this is in the 90s, uh, early 2000s. Yeah, a lot of his students were all the, the people that went on to make Instagram and to make 
all these cool wow, tech, okay. tech yeah, things. Yeah. So now let me know if this sounds familiar. So the, the, the formula is something, I think it's BMAT. So it's behavior equals motivation, ability, and trigger. No, maybe it's BMAP, it's prompt. So okay. Yeah. If you, you need, for the behavior to happen, then there needs to be the, uh, the person has to have the motivation to do it. Okay. They have to have the ability to do it, so the physical ability and prompt. There has to be a prompt or a trigger for to allow them to do it. And then it's like the more, the more, the harder the task uh, and the lower the motivation, that it won't get done. It, 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 yeah. If there's an action line, that triggers won't work, even if they have yeah. the ability. But if it's, if, yeah. it's, if it's an easy to do task, and the motivation is high and they have yeah. the ability and the prompt yeah it'll work yeah. all the time so it's that kind of so how does that there seems yeah trans, there seems to be a lot of translate to your academic there seems to be a lot of overlap standard. between that and the factors that i suppose increase or decrease the likelihood of what we would call stimulus control so how mm. how, how controlled are you by the you know to to respond in 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 particular ways based on the presence versus the absence of, of particular conditions. So for example, the first one would be the, the potency of the re the re of the reward, we'll say the potency of the reward. Mm -hmm. So um, how valuable is it? How, you know, how, how much is it something that you, and, you really want? And the reward in this case, in a lot of the things we're talking about is the, so take it for Instagram, the, the, res, the reward is the dopamine hit you get when you get the like on Instagram. So it's like the motivation, uh, what, like what's your motive? Your motivation for using Instagram is social approval because you want to see people like your stuff. Then do you have the ability to do it? Is it like, well, is your mobile in your hand? Is it ready to go? And the prompt yeah. is the, uh, is the notification. So you get the notification, yeah. then you get the social approval yeah which, which makes it that behavioral feedback loop and that and kind it, of cycle yeah an addictive behavioral feed he calls yeah. it habits but th this is the cynical this is why i'm so cynical it's terrible he's his sequel to that book was called indistractable he says oh there's stuff all over the place there's there's our our time is attention's been taken by all these tech things here's how to keep yourself indistractable and i was like hang on man you just wrote a book for a couple of years ago about how to build these products <laughs> yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah well that that's the thing i suppose that any any kind of um research idea or whatever can be used for a variety of reasons like in in academic research we would we would um have the goal of kind of psychological well-being quality of life you know mm. uh, whereas in other cases it might be used for the purpose of increasing profit so you know depending on i suppose the 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 context in which you work, you're going to have maybe different outcomes or different goals with the use of this type of knowledge. And you see that like a lot of the engineers, not a lot of the engineers, but I've seen be more precise. I have read interviews with some previous ex Facebook engineers, the original guys who were kind of saying, yeah. look, we knew when we built these products, we knew they were addictive. Like, 
Yeah. And they just went ahead and did them anyway. But look, it's 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 a bit late now for all that, isn't it? Shine. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, going back to the kind of the behavioral, like the the another thing that that matters is. And I suppose you can relate this somewhat to the level of trust that you have that you'll achieve an outcome is how reliable something predicts an outcome. You know, so when you think about when you think about a, a speeding van, for example, what what's the what's the likelihood that someone who flashes their lights at you in terms of an oncoming vehicle, what's the likelihood that that will predict the likelihood that there's a speeding camera down the road? Yeah. And because it's kind of a combination of that with the potency of the outcome. Like it, 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 there might be a number of reasons why someone flashes their lights. It might, you know, you do see a lot of people that drive trucks just flash their lights to say hello to an oncoming truck, or you might have it. Yeah. Or might have someone who, uh, as Mike and Michael Kane would say, just wants to watch the world burn that just flashes their lights and there's nothing. It's not indicating at all. Or it could be that someone does it by accident, but there are a number of times whereby it does, it it is used as a warning signal. Now I know in in terms of legislation, it's something that, that, you know, you're not, you're not to do and it's illegal to do, but people still do it anyway. Mm. But my point here is that what is the likelihood that it will predict a particular outcome that you need to be aware of? And it's that combination. It's like, are you willing to to uh, slow down if it is 70% of the time because the outcome is so potent, like you get your penalty points and you get a fine? Um, whereas if, if the likelihood was much lower, would you be less likely to make the choice to slow down? Mm. And I suppose it depends then on whether you're late for an important meeting. Mm. So what's the value of what's the value of going faster versus... Yeah. you know the value of kind of slowing down so yeah. there are factors like that as well the trust the the, the the likelihood yeah i've always thought now this is only i'm not really basing this on anything that's scientific it's it's more of a thought uh experiment really but i've always thought that if you for speeding certainly like you can if you say to people right you're going on a you're going on a 20 kilometer journey if you go at the speed limit and drive safely as you should, it's gonna <coughs> take it's gonna take you ten minutes, for example. I don't know if that, that distance is right, but anyway. But if you go over the speed limit, it's gonna take you nine point six minutes. So if you go so yep. you're 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 putting yourself in this much da- x much danger. Yeah, and the output that you get is you arrive at your destination fifty seconds earlier. If you, if, I you, think if, peop- if you can, if you can put it in though, I always if you put it in those terms, you're like, wow, well, yeah. what, what am I actually doing here? Like, why am I get, trying to get yeah. there earlier? Like, it's it's not because it's not the it's not the get into the place early. It's it's kind of like not wanting to do the journey. It's getting the journey yeah. over quicker, I suppose. Yeah, than yeah, getting there earlier. It's kind of. Uh, yeah it does yeah and i think people would actually be pleasantly surprised if they if they did something like what you're saying ben if they actually looked at how long it would take if they went at this speed versus this speed actually for for relatively short journeys there's a negligible difference between the two yeah because with with, with, like the traffic lights are designed for people to go at the speed limit anyway Mm, so if you go too fast you're going to break it and get ahead of the cycle i suppose it's funny how you convince yourself, just thinking about that, how you convince yourself that the lights are with you or the lights are against you when 
Were you swell? It's actually... Well, now. Well, now. I'll tell you now. Oh, I've done many... Myself and my father have done many experiments on this. Yeah. And my dad did back in the day. So we'd, we'd drive from my... Uh, where did we used to drive from? My my, par- my grandparents' house was in Kilmacud in Stilorgan. Oh, yeah. So I would have only been... like This is when I was under 10 years old, 7 years old or whatever. And my dad was living in Donnybrook. So he, he was like, no, no, I can drive from Stilorgan Shopping Centre down the dual carriageway to Donnybrook and get all the lights if I drive at the speed limit. Wow, okay. And that was that was the goal that he could do the whole way if he if he started at the right time but went at whatever the speed limit was. Yeah. So we don't... I, I presume... <laughs> that, like, I lo- presume then... Lo- if he ever watched yeah. this, he'll, he'll love this story. How are you, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> I presume then that you you would something like that would work as long as there's no kind of, I suppose, extraneous or random factor. So, for example, a um, a pedestrian cro- crossing, because of uh, course we just, I we, suppose... just, we just go right through them. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just for those out there, Ben's <laughs> <My> joking. <laughs> I think yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. Like, I suppose if you don't have the random factors, you'd be able to. To f- you, you potentially you should be able to do those things. Yeah. Um, are we still yeah. Talk- are we still talking about psychology? Or are we? <laughs> I think I don't know. I yeah maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, go- kind of going back to um, what whatever we were talking about. We should talk um, about COVID. We should talk about COVID. Leave, leave we should actually talk about COVID. We, we, um, we didn't last week. I'm actually quite quite interested in it when, when it, well first I suppose from a personal perspective I mean it's. It's something that's affected, it's affected everyone to a certain degree, um, yeah. and you know, uh, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of factors there that remain unknown. You know, I mean, I'm not going to, I haven't done the research. I've kind of read up a bit on the research around the use of masks, mm-hmm. and around like social distancing, and obviously listening to experts like Professor Luke O'Neill and people like that. You know, who is very very up to date and 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 very kind of um aware of 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 all the the science that's that's coming out about them mm-hmm. it's um you know it as i suppose one one thing one thing that that interests me is the the factors that seem to that seem to affect the the likelihood that people will wear a mask is it does it come back to that social approval social disapproval thing again yeah i was reading about uh i listened to a interview with dan ariely who is the behavioral economist guy from israel oh yeah the was a predictably irrational book and he was interviewed he was either interviewing or interviewed by another lady whose name i can't remember um, and they were talking about so the big question is like oh, are masks good or are they bad do they work do they not work and he's like well, that's the wrong question to be asking because it's too divisive it's too like yeah. it's, it's black and white it's the yes or no which is and in, in, in certainty like we're, uh, we're really bad in decisions and certainty so we should be asking questions like how much does wearing a mask reduce the chance of transmission? 
they're the type of questions. And then it's like, because it, there, there was a really, really good uh, infographic where it was, there was four scenarios. There was- Oh, I've mask, seen it, mask yeah. And, mask and no, no mask, no mask, if infected, not infected. So yeah. Four, whatever the four scenarios on it, it yeah. really shows, it really makes it really clear, oh, if I'm wearing a mask and you're wearing a mask, even if you have yeah. it and I don't, it's still a really low chance of transmission. So they're the kind yeah. of- uh, messages that you should be putting out rather than do they work, do they not work? Yeah. And what's e so it, yeah, so it comes down to kind of, I suppose, per, like percentage and probability rather than yes or no. It's not a, it's not a, yeah. a kind of a discrete question like that. Yeah, yeah. And what I was also saying was, and I remember doing, looking, um, looking at these, remember we were, we were talking last week about the dictator game, the economic games. Yeah. Yeah. There's another game called the public goods game, whereby um, the simplest way to describe it is let's say there's four players in the game. Each of them has 10 euro. Um, then they, each player has the option to put as little or as much of that 10 euro into the pot. That pot gets doubled and then just dis redistributed equally among the four players. So, okay. for example, let's say there's four players, every, everyone, three players put in 10, and one player puts in zero, the pot is 30, it gets divided by four, which is, pot's at seven and a half, so everyone gets seven and a half back, so your man that puts in nothing, gets 17, he's got 17 and a half, and the other three have 7.5 each. Do you know, so, so that's essentially what wearing masks is, is it's because everybody has to wear a mask for the, for the good of everybody else. So that's why you yeah. see this massive consternation between people who are getting so annoyed at other people who aren't wearing a mask. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm wearing a mask and doing it for the good of everybody else. But what's really interesting... That's what I was just going to say, Ben. It, it, it really, it really kind of highlights that you're actually doing it for the other person. It's not something that you're doing for yourself. Yeah, exactly. So what's really interesting about these public goods games is they've done them... Uh, so you can do one-shot or repeated measures. So they've done really strict trials on these where they have, like... They've done repeated measures, public goods games in loads of different countries. And they've found massive differences between the input of what people put into the public coffers, let's say, yeah. uh, in different cultures and in different countries. Some they find that it starts really high, everyone puts in loads and it slowly diminishes uh, as the game goes on and on and on. Some people start yeah. some countries. I'm not going to go into the countries because I don't want to. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll just start laughing because yeah, yeah. I've I've one really funny one, but I'm not going to I'm not going to skip the details. Um, and some of them it starts low because they're they're not that trusting yet, and it slowly builds. And some of them it starts low and stays low. In some countries, and one I'm not I'm not going to say where it is. But one particular country, I was like, wow. And I know people from that country. And it's like, that's exactly their attitude. It's like, really? And it's like, no, God. no, no, you, you keep your money. I'll keep my money and we'll all be fine. 
because they don't trust. <laughs> and but the, the hilarious thing about these repeated measures games is then you can you can punish people based on. So you can then choose to punish people who aren't pulling their weight, who aren't putting enough in. So you can put right. in you can put in one to take three away from them. Okay, so it's that's, like a punishment, that's an interesting, yeah. But what they found in this one particular place was that where it, where it started with really low uh, uh, contributions and stayed low, the punishment, the people who, w the punishers were the people who weren't putting into the public coffers. They were punishing the people that were. So it's like, no, no, well, we're, we're yeah, doing yeah. fine. Look, you, you do, do you know what? Actually, I, I'm happy to throw in one so you don't get three. And that's like, so that, that's where you can see like people are like, no, I'm going to, that's like someone going, do you know what? I'm going to rip off your face mask. That's what that's like. It's yeah. really, like, it's really, and you can see the dynamics between people now. It's like, it's going to get well, worse. Yeah. And then I don't know, I don't know how it's working in the States, but they seem like, they're like um, the American psyche, if you want to put it that way. Like it's built on on, on freedom, is their yeah. is their thing. So it, it seems to be a, a massive uh, dent in their freedom or liberty that they can't have to wear a mask. This is what I'm just seeing on the news and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whereas whereas in Ireland, it seems more people are happy to all we're all in this together. <laughs> And yeah. all wear the mask together, it seems. I don't know, maybe it's it's just anecdotal evidence. It it's still now in Ireland it still is the case whereby you go into a supermarket and there's a there's a significant number of people that are not wearing masks. And I just again it would be interesting <clears throat> to look at differences like urban versus rural, for example, or yeah. you know, or, or that sort of thing. But it, you do still notice that because again it's not mandatory like my understanding is that in germany it is mandatory to wear face masks in these kind of more contained uh, well, regions well here in the netherlands it's mandatory in public transport i think that's just become it that's just become a thing here yeah no it's not uh it's not in the supermarket i don't think okay but, but i think okay. in some closed spaces it is to be honest, yeah I, i've been steering clear of everywhere except the supermarket to be honest yeah, and the, yeah. Go and the golf course. And the golf. Well, I suppose, yeah, not many people around, <laughs> open spaces. I was yeah. um, fascinated, I think Professor Luke O'Neill was saying something like, I mean, it's it's 14 times more, what, it, what would be the word, transmissible or transmit, you know, the, that you're, it, it travels or, or it can, it, it's 14 times more infectious indoors compared to, compared to outdoors, which is why I suppose somewhere like a golf course would be, a close to close to an ideal way to to engage you know as as a hobby or a, as you know in terms of exercise sure. yeah, yeah. um you know unless you're you're going into the clubhouse afterwards or whatever i'll, I'll make sure to keep it up then yeah like definitely you know <laughs> do it for the good of, of health and the good of the people you know yeah, yeah. um but what what fascinated me what really grabbed me about that infographic you were talking about mm. was was just that you know I think it was the second of the four, like if you wear a mask and the other person, sorry, if you're not wearing a mask and the other person is wearing a mask and you're infected and they're not, 
the likelihood of infection is moderately high. Mm. So it's pretty close in likelihood for infection compared to if both were not wearing masks. Whereas if you're wearing a, if you're wearing a mask and you're infected and the other person is wearing a mask and they're or not wearing a mask and they're not infected, it's lower. You know, it's it's moderately low. And obviously the ideal scenario is when both are wearing masks. Um, but it really kind of that that difference between two and three, it's like, wow, is there such a difference in in kind of tra- uh, in how transmissible this this infection is mm. uh, compared to, you know, if if you're wearing a mask and you're infected and the other person or sorry, if you're wearing a mask and you're not infected and the other person is um, oh, I've mixed up now, <laughs> if you're if you're wearing a mask and you're in in uh, was it? If you're wearing a mask and you're infected and the other person is wearing a, uh, not wearing a mask and they're not infected, I've lost it now. I've lost the two of them, but it was stark, the difference between them. Sure, it was yeah. stark, the difference between them. Um, it, ta- it takes a and while I, to figure out that inf- infographic when you're looking at it, let alone trying to, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to explain it. That's why it's an infographic. I mean, graphics are quite useful to, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to use to illustrate the point. But it shows, um, it shows yeah. how how important the communication of information is like yeah the uk i I don't think have done a great job of that their messages have been very mixed and like i was quite interested they used and like yeah and all that it's like why why like i was i was quite interested in the colors they used and they used red and green kind of like a traffic light system and they used what was it they used green and yellow uh, or they used red when it was stay at home or something they used green when it was like stay aware mm. and it was almost like are they are they nudging them people with the green and red could, could be but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i was just interested in the colors that they chose like but red I, but I for staying some, at home yeah but i read something very interesting and again it's come back to copywriting as well like it should have been simple messages like shop once a week don't leave your house yeah like social uh, like practice social distancing is awful like it's just like yeah. what does that mean like that doesn't mean anything yeah yeah stay one and meter then, stay one meter away from people yeah keep keep yeah keep two meters distance from people is better <laughs> like oh that makes yeah. sense practice social <laughs> oh okay uh yeah i don't know like, i'm going to go home and practice I'll it go home and practice it then yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, what was like even even in Ireland, I felt that the the Irish message was 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 quite good generally. But, mm. um, there were instances where I wasn't sure what was being communicated. Like for example, there was there was one uh, when it came to getting exercise when when it was fully when we were in kind of full lockdown or very close to full lockdown, and we were only able to walk kind of um within a two kilometer radius of of where we lived. And it wasn't clear initially, and if there was other people on Twitter that were the same, it wasn't clear initially whether you had to walk when you're getting the exercise that you could go for a walk with your partner or with your children or, you know, with, um, and then a couple of days later, it was clarified that we meant no with your household. But even then we were like, do we go for a walk on our own? But sure, if we're living together, surely it's okay to walk together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Are they doing this because if we walk in more than group in more than ones that it 
takes over too much of the pathway. So it, it was kind of you were trying to fill in the gaps well, based on what you thought was the case. Well, I suppose this is what came up in that interview as well, the Darian, Dar, uh, Dan Ariely. Yeah. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember the other lady's name, but she uh, brought up the fact that like science, the scientific community takes time to come to consensus yeah. on, on anything. And then yeah. that takes time to, to, to be... Uh, to drive into public policy and all yeah. these things take time and this has yeah. to be done now yeah so it's, yeah it's not, yeah it's yeah not usually if there's these type of things oh like we make like it's over uh, slow months and years and then there's a proposal put forward and then it's into public policy yeah and then, yeah and then it'll be whatever written into law or whatever it is but this has to yeah. be done so sharply that it's yeah like, whoa 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 hang on a second yeah and I mean, in fairness, the the, the researchers out there, I, I was keeping an eye every day on the Lancet and the various kind of, um, you know, Lancet-based journals. Mm. And like the research was coming out really, really quickly. Yeah. You know, you start to see the research coming out from, from Wuhan, you start to see the research coming out from China more generally, and then in other places. And like they were really doing it fast, but it still doesn't keep up with the the speed of social media and the speed of having to act now. Uh, before the data matures or before the before the the findings can be properly um uh, scrutinized how, how do you how do you think this is kind of slightly off topic now but how do you think we will fare moving forward with social media and the proliferation of fake news and and the misinformation and the, the tr trust trust in larger institutions and, and, and all kind of trust trust in, in all things that used to be so stable like yeah the print media like yeah like the, the news on the tv like yeah now, now it depends on which side of the political spectrum that you watch your news yeah. or where you get your news from or what you believe and then with like with confirmation bias it's like all you need to do yeah. is have a talk. You can find on the you can find on the internet any information you want that will confirm your beliefs. Yeah. So that's it's, it. It's like it seems now, and with like pockets of apparently Facebook groups are becoming pockets of conspiracy theorists, and because then you get massive groups of people together, like this social group, who all who all believe the same bullshit. Excuse my French, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. yeah that only confirms that only reinforces their beliefs that other people yeah. i'm not the only person to think that even though it's a conspiracy yeah. theory that someone just made up or like but yeah. some people i suppose would refer to as the echo chamber isn't it exactly exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so how do just i do like how, how do yeah. you think we'll, we'll from, from us like psychologically how how because we never had we've never had to deal with something like this before like i think the first thing i would say is that i do think it's it's healthy to remain you know skeptical i sure. I, I don't I, I do i do think that's something people should remain skeptical but uh so i i do think that kind of questioning sources and appreciating that if you look at you know this um 
news channel or this news channel, whatever, they'll all have a certain degree of maybe political leanings and they'll have a certain degree of bias and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, you you end up, if, if people are not kind of maybe, I suppose, willing to in, in, engage openly and to really, really kind of critically think about what they're reading and not just accept it at face value, um, then it is, it, it seems like it's kind of polarizing uh, yeah. viewpoints. And um, I, you know, I, 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 I honestly don't know where, when it's, where it's going to go. Like, I mean, it's quite interesting to see what's happened at the moment in that I, I think Twitter, maybe Twitter was the first one to start putting um, when it, when it say comes to um, Donald Trump yeah. starting to put those um, like disclaimers. Yeah honest tweets yeah, yeah. and then recently what you're starting to notice is that um twitch you know the i suppose predominantly wouldn't be known as a, a kind of a, a streaming channel for gamers um they have disabled or suspended his account i think is, mm-hmm. is what i heard yesterday i don't know what what the current situation is now because these things move so quickly um but it it, it I, I don't know where where it's going to go. Is it because you you are noticing more maybe high profile suspensions of accounts now or expulsion of people from various social media, mm-hmm. um, so they're kind of shutting down that's, shutting down particular viewpoints. And that's that's uh, complicated for for so many different reasons. Like one is the whole free speech thing. Like, yeah, e- like, but what I what I find very annoying, like I I don't I don't I don't spend a lot of, I don't spend any time on the internet arguing with strangers. I, I just I don't like, but loads yeah. but loads of people do. So I think it's yeah. quite a waste of uh, a waste of time. And now I can't remember before what I was going to say. Um, I've lost my train of thought. Now go on. Yeah, I suppose we were talking about kind of are are we living in a post truth kind of world. Mm. You know, in the sense that we, um, it's, but there's so much information now that I'm kind of looking at things and I'm questioning, which again, I look back on, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I'm, I'm questioning all viewpoints now. So it's almost like I'm becoming, I'm taking this very kind of conservative approach to everything I'm reading. Mm. Um, but again, it, it all comes back to, you know, that I'm a firm, I'm a firm advocate and believer in the scientific method. And I look at the, I, I look at the, um, the the uh, what, what what would you say the kind of the the the, the integrity of, of a piece of research and, and make a decision for myself as to whether I feel that it is something that is you know that is a of a good mm. level of evidence or good you know that the view is evidence based that I'll also have a look at things like um, who are the funders you know uh-huh. is it, is there a potential conflict of interest there or you know what kind of scientific methods did they use just kind of and i suppose that that's why it's important to have those kind of skills to begin with you know and that's why psychology and other behavioral scientists teach those critical thinking skills you can actually look at the things that that are important for you to consider whether this is a value or not or this is actually a good piece of research or not sure that's something that stuck with me um from one of your lectures actually back in the day it was like always you can find out who is funding the research mm, yeah because if, if if it's a if it's a cigarette company funding the research and saying the cigarettes are actually fine 
Like, yeah. They're, they're probably not. Excuse yeah, me. and like I mean, you've had, you've had wonderful, um, wonderful pieces of work by or books by the likes of um, Ben. I don't know if you uh, Ben Goldacre. Not familiar with him. No. So he wrote like there's two books of notes, but um, like Bad Science and and Bad Pharma, and. Bad Pharma is really kind of looking at this idea of um, uh, kind of, I suppose, re- reporting bias. And, you know, so if you have four predictions about a particular drug and, you know, th- uh, selective reporting of findings and three of them are verified and one isn't, you know, what's happening that one that isn't? Are, are you being fully transparent about the outcome of your research? Wow. Or are you kind of hiding hiding these things and yeah. he talks about countless kind of examples of of, of of kind of cooking the books in terms of research it's a very good read for anyone who's interested in yeah i think i have heard of that book <coughs> I, i'm staying i'm staying out of that rabbit hole to be honest at the moment yeah. like it's the whole uh big pharma thing and the making drugs and make buy, owning the patents for x amount oh yeah 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 making a fortune and uh Fun. yeah <laughs> but no that it, so it, it, it kind of it just alerts you to the importance of looking at who were the funders yeah. you know and and there's some there's been some brilliant um i know we've kind of gone off topic from covid but i suppose this is relevant as well but there's there's some wonderful kind of um movements now in research you know in terms of um pre-registering your study so that you you're very upfront with with um you know your predictions and you're very upfront with what you're doing and then um so if you kind of pre-register and then you're kind of more like and and, and not only that then but <clears throat> you also have um certain journals that are going down the route now of um <clears throat> of publishing online that it's not behind a paywall mm. and it's open to public scrutiny and people can read it and people can comment and you know, there can be discussions around the the integrity of the work or the validity of the findings or whatever, and and uh, there's been some really really interesting kind of movements that way. Of course, one of the big talking points at the moment is about um, blind reviewing. You know, would we actually be better off if reviewers weren't at the moment with the blind reviewing process? Is that you don't know who your the reviewers of your manuscripts are, sure. and some journals are talking about having a system whereby the reviewers would be known and sometimes reviews can be quite nasty you know and maybe don't focus on the manuscript itself but rather let other kind of emotions and biases or whatever get in the way but if the person is aware that they're known to the writers of the manuscript will you find a more kind of greater collegiality or greater kind of respect respect in terms of the writing and the this is the, the language thing, used yeah, and then it's like if, if there's any sort of ambiguity in there you could go ah no i'll give him the benefit of the doubt yeah because i know who yeah is. do you know you yeah know sort of it's it, well it's possible yeah it's possible like the i know, I know what they I know, I know what they mean because i've heard them yeah. talking do you know it could be ah yeah yeah i know what they mean where it's not quite yeah, but like if you know if you know the name of the person, um, like it could like the other thing, of course, is that from a from a protection perspective, you know, if you have a if you have an author that's particularly upset or disappointed by the outcome, you know, is there a chance that they're going to 
to take it up with the reviewer in person or contact yeah. them in person or whatever. So I suppose you have to think about the other side as well. But yeah, but I think like I th everybody is makes uh, their decision mo decision making process is far more influenced by their emotions than they than they than they care to admit than they actually yeah. and than they actually know. Because it's, yeah, yeah. it's always like we make decisions and then, you know yourself, I do it all the time and I go, why did, like, why did I do that? And then you say, yourself, yeah, yeah. and you post-rationalize and you go, ah, oh, no, I did this because, and yeah. you, and you yeah. find a reason. And then yeah, that, I, did, that, I, I did that two days ago myself. And that, make, and, that no makes, and that makes you feel okay about it. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's something along the lines that, We um, we're super scared that the world is absolutely chaotic and that we've no control over our own place in the world. So we have to post rationalize all our decisions to make sure that our place. Like, no, we're yeah, I did that right. I know what I'm doing. Like yeah, like the things when we say like yeah, I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna go to the gym three times this week gonna have a good breakfast beforehand and then i'm gonna go and then it's like no not at all you say you're yeah like, it's that uh, it's going back and, to that kind then, of then after, hot cold and afterwards you say ah yeah no but like my 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 uh my hamstring was at me a bit like so it's probably yeah yeah. Ah, yeah yeah you're right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that hot cold uh, kind of scenario you know you're in a um you make the best of intentions when you're in a kind of when you're when you're hot or when you're kind of a hot context but then it's like we're talking about about the um the alarm clock it's like yeah i'm going to set my alarm clock for six o'clock and i'm going to get up and i'm going to go for a run because i'm really motivated about it right now and then six o'clock comes and the alarm comes goes off and it's like oh yeah but i have a really long day of work today and i'm yeah. tired now and yeah, exactly. you know i yeah. so you're you're in your your kind of your cold um state yeah, and yeah. uh the, the the plan beforehand is is less likely to be executed. And we, as was and we spoke about this before, but habits are great yeah. for that. Yeah. And I can't yeah, remember yeah. if I spoke about this before, but habit stacking is brilliant. And my old my my old boss used to talk about that. So, All right. So so what 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 would that in in entail? Okay, so let's say uh, you build habits on top of each other, so one yeah. one, one habit will follow another. So let's say you. Uh, you want to read half an hour your book half an hour every day so you set every morning at nine nine o'clock you, you read between nine and half nine so that's habit one so you get into that habit of doing that and then you, you do it for a month so it comes month two and you're already you don't even need your uh calendar anymore you just do it and then you go as soon as i finish reading that book i'm going to go for I'm going to do 50 press-ups. Yeah. So on, so you build on, so, so it's, you're doing habits in a row. So you finish one. So finishing, ah, right, okay. finish, finishing one habit is the, is the prompt for starting the next one. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. You, and then you can do it on top of each other. So you can do it with a whole morning routine, for example. And then suddenly before you know it, you have nine o'clock till lunchtime boxed off every day. Yeah. Is so it that, that idea that kind of, of in, in, 
is that idea of investment is like, okay, I've done the first thing, you know, I'm fully invested in this day now. I'm going to use this momentum to go into the next thing and go yeah, into the next it's thing. Also, it's, it's also goals. It's like I used to do that, write my goals down every day. What, what am I going to do today? I'm going to do this. And then at the end of the day, you tick them off. It's like, well, I said I do yeah, that yeah. and I did it. And then you yeah. the, the, pers the, the persuasion thing. So it's commitment and consistency. So you're like, well, I said I'm going to do it, so I'm going to do it. Like yeah. We're really so if you write something down, that's why writing down your goals really helps because you want to be. Yeah. We like. There's to actually be. some um, some colleges that have integrated that into their, whenever you know, um, say for example, it's something like, uh, induction for first years, mm -hmm. and what they'll do is they'll okay, we we want you to kind of have t three or four goals that you want to achieve in your first year of college, and we want mm -hmm. you to sign at the end. You keep it. We don't we don't want it back, but. You, you know you're putting your name to it it's like you're 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 kind of committing to it yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's commitment to consistency so we want to be yes yeah. we want to be consistent in our behavior that's yeah. one of robert 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 kildini's principles of persuasion so they did this uh i can't remember if we talked i can never remember if we talked about stuff before i'm probably repeating well that's the thing I mean, yeah <laughs> so they did one where it was uh they ask somebody to put a a sign in their window saying reduce speed or something like that. Reduce speed around because there's children in the neighborhood or something like that. Yeah. And they did that to a hundred a hundred neighbors. And then a week later they came back and said, Hey, can we put this massive giant sign in your garden that says reduce speed for the kids or whatever? And they did that to, to one treatment group that had no, hadn't been asked about putting the small sign in their window first. And the people that were asked to put the small sign, there was a massive difference in the people that said, yeah, put the big thing in the, the big sign okay, so in my, because they, so had, the one they had committed to, to doing something small first. Yeah. And then, uh, doing something small first so they were more likely to accept the bigger ask so you can yeah. use, but that, that works as well and you know you know we were talking about forms earlier online yeah yeah if you have a stepped form so if you've like 10 questions rather than all 10 in a row we say you put two first because yeah. you've you've completed that first part of it it's like yeah. you've done part one yeah so you want to be consistent and you've, you've done that you've committed to part one so you want to be com consistent in your behavior to finish part two and three. That makes yeah. sense. So it would be yeah, the yeah, same. Like, yeah. like, oh, I'm happy to put that in my garden. because, But it works the same for if you want to get somebody to share something on social media, like uh, ask them to do something small first, like yeah, uh, like the page. And then afterwards, yeah. oh, would you mind sharing it then actually as well? Yeah, because yeah. Because they've yeah, already yeah. liked it. They go, oh, go on. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever notice that? Um, I suppose it's a good way of increasing um, traffic to to a a a, a, a website or whatever or a, a Facebook page, is that you know the whole kind of concept of um, like and share to win a voucher. Mm -hmm. um, I find that quite interesting. It's like, oh yeah, I really want that voucher, and and I suppose liking and sharing isn't too bad. As opposed to, I always find like there's there's other ones where it's like to be with a chance of winning this. Um, post something interesting on your page about about our restaurant or about our cafe or whatever. So mm -hmm. And that just seems like too much work. Yeah. Yeah, just let, let me like and share. 
Uh, and maybe, maybe if I actually win something down the line and they ask me to do it, then maybe. Well, but the, uh, best, the best way, the best way to do that, if you're launching a product or something, do you remember we spoke about last week about the social approval? Yeah. Uh, so to, to, to recap that very quickly, people base their social, uh, social, base social approval on others. So they look to others. So they look to yeah. their neighbour. So they're not going to be happy, even if they've got two Ferraris, their neighbor's got three. They're, they're yeah, yeah. Ferraris. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you you can start, a, it's a thing called a viral queue. So, let's say you're launching a book, John. Um, how right, to, how to uh, so I've completed psychology and um, you want to get people, you want to sell your book and you want to share, get as many shares on social media as possible. So you kind of do, it's kind of like Kickstarter where you would, uh, anyone, who, so you start this viral queue. So people have to share, get a certain amount of points to share your thing on, they get 10 points if they share it on Twitter, they get 20 if they share it on Facebook. And if they send okay. it to email, you get more points. So the more points you get, the higher you go up in the queue. Interesting, okay. So you can see where everybody else in and then then there's different prizes so if you get top of the queue you win uh the book john's book on psychology plus you get to go to john's house he'll cook you dinner the, oh uh, yeah so you've what got, a prize what a prize you've, <laughs> all these, you've all these different prizes so if you're in the top 50 you'll get a signed copy or so you can see all the prizes. So this is like the different tiers that you can go in. It's like the gold circle or the silver circle that you've got yeah, the yeah. benefits we were talking about before. So if you can see where you are in the queue, you're going to share more and more and more and more and more. So that's the variety yeah. part of it. And it really works. Wow. That, 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 like that, yeah, that does sound quite effective because essentially you're, you're having this kind of progressive payoff. Like if you yeah. are willing to do that a little bit more, a little bit more, the, the payoff is higher and higher. Yeah, and you yeah. Can, again, you can see what percentage you are. You can say, "Oh, I'm only, I'm only three points away from that dinner with John." <laughs> yeah, God. I wonder. What all the more reason. I all the more reason not to cook. do it. I wonder what he's. Gonna <laughs> <do>. <laughs> yeah, you'd be lucky if you got toast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's it's um yeah like I mean I I remember um talking last week about the kind of the the they use percentiles in, in kind of different types of games too. Like I noticed, like I would play fantasy football quite a lot and it kind of gives you, it gives you your kind of what position you're in relative to everyone that plays the game. And it kind of motivates you to, motivates you to keep going. Like, you yeah, know, and, and or I, your position in a league. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because we were saying before about the pundit arena thing. Oh, you're one of 7% of people that got, 20 out of 20 right because you're like yes yeah. i'm elite i'm in the top seven yeah yeah i'm amazing and that will make you more likely to do that quiz in the yeah. future and... yeah and that's like actually something that um we kind of it, it kind of has like i mean i know that's kind of playing to people's kind of competitiveness or, uh, competitiveness or, what, or whatever but th those kind of percentiles those kind of z score calculations are also used in um you know, in education. So in Ireland, we, uh, when we're in primary school or first level, we do, um, when I, in my day, I think it was called the micro T exam, but it became known then as the drum exam. I don't know if any of this 
uh, jogs your memory, but um, um, it was basically it was to determine your reading age and your i suppose your reading ability your <clears throat> comprehension ability your mathematical ability <clears throat> relative to other people your age other children your age and what it does is it kind of ranks you as a percentile you're in the top five mm -hmm. percent mm -hmm. or top ten percent or whatever but it can also be quite useful to identify if someone needs additional support sure. additional educational support that maybe they're not quite at the reading level as their age would would dictate so it's kind of a, a standardized test to be able to compare everyone um in terms of where they are at relative to other people their age but also what age they might be reading at so you could be a 10 year old and you're reading at a an, an, at a 11.2 year olds level or you know a 9.4 year olds level or whatever so it's there, it, it, it's not just used, I suppose, in terms of um, competition, in terms of business, but for the, the educational psychologists and for teachers and people out there, it's also used uh, to, to kind of rank people yeah, in that way as well. The benchmarking and that kind of thing yeah. is, is super important. To, but, but then again, yeah. that goes from decision making. You need a reference yeah. point. Because how would you know yeah. if, if you're going, oh, the reading level is this, you're like, well, how do yeah. you know if it's good or not? Yeah, yeah. You have nothing yeah. to compare it to. You can yeah. go, it's fine. Well, we need to check what the base the, the, the baseline is, I suppose. Yeah, so you need some sort of you need some sort of criterion. Mm -hmm. So whether that's age or um whether that's kind of using it on the basis of what other people their age are are are, are reading at or doing maths at or whatever, yeah, you need that kind of benchmark. Mm -hmm. Which brings on the importance of doing baseline recording baselines when you're looking at kind of longitudinal changes like over time and what are you and so to go back to the research you're doing at the moment yeah so you're looking at uh the impact of covid19 and changing from a traditional to online learning environments that's correct isn't it that that is correct yeah so we're looking what at a number your, what were your hypothesis what are you expecting to what do you yeah so find or do you it's a good assess? no it's a good question it's, it's a good question like i mean what were what were like the 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 objectives of the study generally is to try and and pr kind of try to gather a, a comprehensive kind of profile or view view of people's um like there, there's there's a number of kind of things that were i suppose that we're measuring we're looking at not only kind of outcomes of the transition. So, for example, um, changes in workload, for example, we would I suppose it would be we would be expecting that there would be differences with regard to levels of workload. But we're also investigating um, uh, issues related to kind of psycho, I suppose, psychological resilience. Mm. So like some people are going to be more resilient or hardy. So we would expect that resilience would play a role in the, the kind of the transition um, but there's a number of factors we're also <clears throat> quite interested in looking at um, just general things like access to supports mm -hmm. you know so not just wi-fi or the standard of wi-fi but also looking at um, you know did you have access to a laptop um, is your is, is the equipment that you're using of a good quality is it of a not so good quality um, we're also looking at kind of I suppose for the students uh, academic motivation because we have, you know, it, it, it's it's quite interesting to try and, and delve deeper into the, in, into whether, 
the motivation will will predict higher will, will predict higher levels of engagement online engagement you know when you when you remove that face-to-face connectivity that you have with other students or that connectivity you have with the lecture will your will higher levels of motivation predict that you you continue to engage at maybe as much or or close to how much you would have engaged in a traditional setting and did you just out of, out of interest did you include any personality questionnaires in That's there a, as well because it's a, you, yeah. you you would i'd hypothesize that people who are high in conscientiousness on the big five are generally going to do better on, yeah on exams across across everything across yeah. the board just just because they work harder it's it's in there i think that yeah no it's a, it's a really good point uh, we had personality in the in there initially mm-hmm. but what we decided because we didn't want to over overload the questionnaire we took it out yeah. and the reason why we took it out is because we we wanted to look at something that maybe would be more manipulable uh, in in the sense that more that we could actually do some from an, i suppose from an application or from a from a kind of in terms of um, advising over supports or advising over what could be done if these online transitions continue, mm. we focused more on things that we could maybe directly affect sure. rather than something like personality. But it was a bit, it was quite disappointing to drop personality. Personally, I, I, I really wanted to include it. So we had been looking at the NeoPi, um, or something it's called the NeoPi as our personality measure. Uh, but uh, we really wanted to kind of um, to gather that to, to have a look at conscientiousness, to have a look at openness to experiences, and see whether that would be that would be um, they, they they would pr- uh, uh, kind of predict kind of engagement level say during the transition. But it'd be very interesting um, to find like if you could find an interaction <clears throat> effect on personality and COVID and and the environment that'd be really interesting. Yeah. Because then, then it would, yeah. Like, because then you'd be yeah. able to go, ah, people who aren't, or let's say today, people who aren't that conscientious, you just need to do X, Y, Z, and it'll be better in the end. Well, that's it. Better. Kind of have more tailored, maybe, yeah, 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 tailored approaches. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, I mean, it, I, I think if we were to, if it was possible that we could kind of kind of measure everything we wanted to, and it still wasn't getting to a quite a a burdensome level. Then we would have included personality, but it was it was the last thing really to be dropped. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to keep it in there, but we just committed to measure. But I, I do think if we were to do kind of follow up research, um, kind of down the line, or if someone else was doing something similar, then you know personality will be a very valuable uh, variable to investigate. Very yeah, interesting absolutely. thing I'm to super investigate. Interested in that side of psychology, and we haven't talked about much, much of this. I'd, I'd love to talk about it now in, in in the future. Yeah, um, yeah, no, definitely. Spent, no, that would be nice. I spent yeah. a lot of time watching Jordan Peterson's personality lectures. I've watched them all. Yeah, he talks like, a lot. Yeah, yeah, he talks a lot about it. And he goes through from psychoanalytical, from Jean P- uh, Piagetian developmental psychology, super all the way through yeah. Carl Jung and all from that, from that side of things as well. I get the, like he from what I've seen in his interviews now I probably I probably haven't I wouldn't have watched them near near as much as you but I I noticed that he does seem to adopt the kind of I think of, I suppose it will be considered the kind of Costin McRae five factor ocean model yeah so I hear him talking a lot about openness conscientiousness 
uh, agreeableness. He, he's, yeah, he, yeah, but he splits he splits them further. Okay. So he's got he's got the big five, which is uh, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and eroticism. And each of those yeah. five is then split into another two, which I can't remember okay. off the top of my head. I think agree yeah. agreeableness. I think there's two. There's two factors in each. One is like uh, assertiveness. Yeah. And something else are part of agreeableness. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I did. I did that personality test, and I was very. Some of it I was really surprised at. And some right. Of it, some of it, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense." So it's really helped. Yeah, it's really helps to do a personality test of your own personality. To Just to kind of know your own. Yeah, yeah, your yeah, own yeah. kind of disposition. I was a bit, bit surprised. I'm not going to go into the details of it because yeah, I'm just, I'm just not. I'll do it off air. <laughs> sign up, sign up for these details. <laughs> Contribute for these details. <laughs> okay, look, John, we're rolling. Uh, up. We're rolling. Misbehaviorists up after dark. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're rolling up on an hour and a half, so I think we might call it there. Wow, yeah. cool. Yeah, I think so. It was great awesome. chatting. That, as was, usual. that was yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, have you any final parting words before we finish um, today? I don't think so. Just saying to people, you know, um, look after yourselves. And I suppose the one thing that I've been thinking about this week is um, with the with the pandemic, the way it is with with COVID-19 affecting us the way it is that just remind yourself that um, remind yourself of the importance of kindness and mm. to be kind and, and you're in the middle of a pandemic um, it's okay to be anxious it's okay to be worried it's okay to be concerned and don't get angry at yourself don't give out to yourself for feeling that way because you know I mean you wouldn't speak to other people who have concerns um why why are we so angry with ourselves at times so i would certainly tell people just to be kind to themselves and give themselves time if they need it because this is a this is a very strange time at the moment that is a wonderful message to finish off the misbehaviorist episode two john thank you very much it was great to talk to you thank today. you ben and chat and to you soon if anybody has any questions um drop a comment below and we will do our best to get back to you no we won't do our best we will get back to you Okay, guys, yeah. that was great. Take care. Bye, guys.